Welcome to the Hook and Hunt Experience with hunting and fishing expert and host of Hook and Hunt TV, Jim Crowley, and radio host and outdoorsman, Drew Kirby. On today's show, we'll cover fishing, hunting, outdoor adventures, wild game recipes, and so much more. Brought to you by Ned's Pretty Good Garage Bait and Tackle, home of the $8.99 oil change. If you have questions, comments, or want to offer up some suggestions, reach out on Facebook at Hook and Hunt Experience. And now, here's Jim Crowley and your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, thank you so much for coming back and checking us out again here at the Hook and Hunt Experience. Uh, Drew and Jim Crowley. And uh, Jim, I'll tell you that we've only been in this just a couple of weeks and we've had some uh, great go round oh it's been it's been fun man anytime we get to just hang out and talk and we've had some great guests and i love this format just because everybody can be exactly who they are and they've had a lot of fun with it our listeners have had some fun with it and i think the audience is going to continue to grow and we will continue to uh be us which on medication or off we're a lot of fun (laughs) if you decide that you have a question for us you can go to the Hook and Hunt Experience Facebook page, uh, ask us a question, and if we use your question, we'll get them a little something something. Yeah. Yeah, just go right ahead. If you've got any any questions that are fishing and hunting related, um, Drew and I are not real good uh, when it comes to medical procedures or anything like that, at least answering your questions. So <laughs> that would be a waste of your time. But anything fishing and hunting related, um, we can we can do our best. We also are up on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You know, we were talking right before we started the show today how not every hunting or fishing trip is a success, and you're living proof of that today. You know, filming show, as many shows as I have over the years, and even when I was tournament fishing, things just don't always go the way that you want. I've been asked a question before, you know, how long does it take you to film an episode? Well, you know, I've depending on what's happened. I filmed an episode in as little as an hour and a half. Um, there's been three days and sometimes just depending on what the weather gets real bad or things aren't going the ways that you thought they were going to go. This last trip, we didn't get anything. You know, we, we lined something up with somebody and it, it just wasn't what we expected. And unfortunately, um, you know, we did a long drive for just about nothing. Um, but you still live and learn. And so we're going to reschedule something with somebody else and, and, uh, and, and I think accomplish what we want to accomplish, but that's just happens. I mean, you know, even talking to a lot of the pro anglers, you know, sometimes they have days and sometimes it's in front of a television camera where things just don't go their way. You can, fishing is not an exact science. Hunting isn't either. I've always said that you can do everything you can to put the odds in your favor to be more successful. And when you do that, in most cases you will be, there are also cases when it doesn't happen. It just, that's just the way it goes. How can you uh, better the situation? Because obviously, like you said, you have the options to put the, the odds in your favor. How would you go about that? If you had the liberty to go about and change your path on a bad trip, what would you do? My camera guy and I were talking to the way back, and usually we're better if we go to a new area to fish. In most cases, we're better if it's just him and I, because we can figure things out. I mean, there were things I would have done differently. Um, but when you're in somebody else's boat, it's just like when you're in somebody else's duck blind or somebody else's hunting area, you can kind of say, Hey, can we try this? Or can we try that? And most of the time people are pretty, um, are pretty open to those ideas. I think this time around, I just learned, we, we really had, we had about a five hour drive home and we thought about it and we're like, you know, in most cases, my instincts are pretty good. I would rather blow it on my own 
then blow it because of somebody else. I think even after this, you know, after all these years, I think that really instilled that in me that, you know, I should probably just do what my gut feeling tells me to do. And I, I think that's what we're going to do um, from now on, because I don't like being not in control of the situation. And it does suck to drive six hours and not get anything and not be able to adjust to, uh, to get something. I mean, because obviously you could have probably done something that would have put you in the position where you were catching fish. I've never been to the area that we went to before, you know, so that's sometimes why you'll go, Hey, we got a very short period of time. Let's hook up with a local um, who can, you know, maybe put us in the right direction. All I want to do is see the area. After that, I can figure things out for myself. I already know uh, I'm going to go back there again. And I already know things that I would do differently and things I would look for differently, but you know, you, you live and learn. And I've, I've had, I've had days out in the water where I've taken friends out or taken people out, you know, and it just didn't come together. And maybe they thought the same thing about me, you know? So um, everybody has their fantastic days and this in, in the, especially in fishing, it's really easy to go from hero to zero in a heartbeat. But if it would have been just you uh, and your cameraman and you're going to explore this area, what would be the steps you would take to get yourself prepared for this area? I think I would have checked more and, and I did look a little bit at the map, but I'll always look at, um, I'll always look at a map of an area that I, we're, I know we're going to be going to a place called Big Green Lake in Wisconsin. I've already got the map. I've, I've looked at the tourism uh, stuff on there. I'm starting to look at places where we can launch the boat, uh, places where we can stay. And I'm, I'm just going to check out what, what the area has. Does it have boat docks? Does it have grass? Does it have, and I'm going to try to put myself in, a, in an area of the lake where I'm going to feel comfortable starting what we would have done different this last trip, I would have fished a lot faster. And because the water's so clear, usually, especially when you're fishing for smallmouth, you'll at least see some, or you'll have fish follow up a bait or something. When you're not seeing anything, you don't need to be sitting in an area a long period of time. You need to keep your foot on the trolling motor and get going and cover some water. And, and that's one thing that I've, I've always been good at is waiting for that one bite. I want that fish to tell me what I need. And just after all these years, I can, in freshwater anyway, when a fish hits a lure a certain way, it usually keys me into something else. It, it shows me part of the puzzle. In a lot of cases, not all, but in a lot of cases, I can usually figure the rest out to, to put it together and we start catching fish. And, and that's what I always work on is I need that first clue. Once I get that first clue, then look out. And is that what you mean by fast fishing is... Uh, you know, moving a little quicker in your decisions? Yeah, I'm going to be on, my foot's going to be on the trolling motor looking for, I'm always going to start out with visible cover and I'm when I'm bass fishing, okay? And that's just, that's what we film the most. That's what I do the most. But uh, same thing with pike or musky fishing or, or walleye fishing or whatever. I'm going to be looking for clues. And with bass fishing, I'm going to be picking apart visible cover stuff that I can see or depending on time of year from smallmouth fishing maybe it's a break or a point or a rock pile or something I'm going to be looking for that and if I even get one fish to bite or or see a fish or something that clues me in it's going to lead me just after all these years it's going to lead me to something else it's something you almost can't explain to somebody but for our listeners out there that have had a really good day in the water or you know what I'm talking about it's hard to explain but something just clues you in you go I know what's going on I know what's going on. I, the last show we did when we were doing that show on bladed jigs, after about the second fish, I go, I know what they're doing. And then we had about a 30-minute time slot where those fish were feeding, and we put the entire show together. Once I figured it out, then I just duplicated what I did, the retrieve speed, the depth. I stayed with the same lure. I figured it out. I could tell by the way they were eating it. I could 
tell by my retrieve speed what I was doing, and I figured it out. Relying on my own instincts has always been better, and that way it doesn't give me any excuses. If I do bad, it was me. That's it. Well, Jim, we have a great guest that is uh, going to be on today, uh, Sam Gaylord from Old Barn Taxidermy. Sam is quite the character. He's a lot of fun, very knowledgeable, and he's he's just a he's just a good dude, man. <laughs> This week's Hook and Hunt Experience guest star is brought to you by Hook and Hunt TV, where our slogan is God made me a fisherman and a hunter. I'm proud of both and apologize to no one. Watch the latest episode at hookandhunttv.com. The Hook and Hunt Experience is back. Hey, it's Drew and Jim Crowley. Of course, you can go like us on Facebook. It's a Hook and Hunt Experience on Facebook. Very simple to find us there. And when you go and you prep for hunting or fishing, and then you go and you sit out in the cold and you finally get yourself a, a, a deer or a, a, a duck or maybe a squirrel and you want to get that <laughs> sucker mounted. Uh, I think we've got the guy that for us today. I don't know if that's going to do him justice. If you want to get a squirrel mounted, I don't know what the heck. Maybe you do. I, I don't mean, know. Come on, man. Who doesn't want a good mounted squirrel? It's a very good small floor uh, doormat. Anyway, um, we have we have with us today. Uh, this is just a great guy, and there's there's a lot of cool history. We're, I'm just going to bring him on, and uh, this is Sam Gaylord from Old Barn Taxidermy. And uh, Sam, welcome to the show, man. Good to have you. Hey, I'm glad to be here. That's that's funny. And hey, we do do squirrels. I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a good thing, really. I, I tell you what, the first mount I ever mounted actually was a squirrel, and it was really really cool. So. Yeah, we don't we don't want to exclude anybody. It could be a huge part of our audience of squirrel hunters. And I just oh, we got and I just squirrels. We got squirrels listening to this show. Yeah, there's Facebook uh, this just squirrel groups. I mean, guys, they like their squirrels. I tell you, <laughs> uh, nuts. <laughs> <laughs> nuts. Hey, S- Sam, tell us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about Old Barn Taxidermy because I'm just going to tell people this. Just so you know, this is how how big and how far uh, they stretch. Sam and his company do about a million dollars a year just in bears. Sam, tell us a little bit about Old Barn, and then we'll even talk a little bear hunting. From a little kid, I absolutely loved taxidermy. I mean, that was my passion in life. And as I got older, I had the opportunity to be a taxidermist. So uh, I grabbed up that opportunity, and then I just had some life changes about 10 years ago. And my wife said, what are we going to do? I said, well, I'm going to be a taxidermist, honey. And we today we have uh, six resident master taxidermist workforce. Uh, we've got 14 guys in a tannery. We tan for like 400 other taxidermists. We, we prepare wow. their white tail capes. Uh, we have a full rugging department that does the bear rugs for the walls. It's been just a blessing for our family. Our whole family works here. I got both my sons, my wife, uh, our daughter works part-time. Uh, my grandkids run around up here all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's all our taxidermists, our resident taxidermists, they specialize in, in their craft. So I got a guy that does birds. He just knocks them out of the park. I got a guy that does white tails. He knocks them out of the park. No, it's, it's really, it's, it's a nice little company. Uh, we, we just keep growing and we have uh, multiple locations. We have a full-time location in Colorado, Frederick, Colorado. Uh, did that through a merger last year. And then we have several outpost locations. We got one up in uh, Rockford, Illinois. Gotdeerdown.com is the guy's name up there. Now you're based uh, out of Fort Madison, Iowa, correct? We are. We're in southeast Iowa, and uh, we sit right on the Mississippi River, and we can actually throw a rock in Illinois, 
and give it a little bit bigger heave to get it in Missouri. We're like 15 <laughs> miles from Missouri here. So now we're, in, God, we're God's, we call it God's country. And, and when it comes to deer hunting, it is for sure God's country. Some of the biggest deer I've ever seen were right there in Southeast Iowa. So you guys probably get a, a lot of mounts from that area, right? We do. We do. Uh, you know, there's a lot of deer get killed. If you drew a circle around our main shop, and went out 60 miles, you'd be amazed at how many rights people get killed. And, you know, so. Wow. And I, I do know for sure that you guys have, a, you work with a lot of Canadian outfitters as well. So a lot of their bears are coming to you and, and other things. Cause you, you really established some really good relationships with them as well. Haven't you? Actually, since 1993, I've been working with Bobby Behrman. He owns uh, Nipigon river bear hunts up in Nipigon, Ontario. Uh, I've been, I started out, I, I owned an archery shop back in the day in 1993, you know, mm -hmm. and, I had a rep come in, a sales rep, and he opened up a book and he, he was sitting behind this huge chocolate bear. And I was always in love with bears and I'd never been bear hunting. So I, oh, you know, wow. I said, man, I got to do that. And he said, well, hey, I got this new kid in, in Ontario that he's looking for somebody like you. Mm -hmm. So we hooked up and, and in the beginning is you, you book eight guys, you get to come for free. So I book sure. eight in the spring and eight in the fall, eight in the spring, eight in the fall. And well, now I'm like three years into this. Through that, you know, Sam loves bears. That's what I like in life. And I've literally got to be able to live that life without ever owning an outfit up there. You know, I book, I book him down here. I, we go up there, I get a hunt for a couple of weeks. We skin a bunch of bears and typically we'll get 65, 80% of those clients send their bears here to be mounted. I want to bring this up as I really think this is cool. My wife loves a goose hunt with me and your wife loves to bear hunt with you. She does. Uh, yeah. So, so what, what was that like the first time you guys did that and it was success, successful hunt? <laughs> I didn't set with her on her first hunt. She killed her first one all by herself. Uh, I was I was wanting to shoot this monster bear, and I was on it, and, and we had her in another stand. And uh, long story short, she shot a really nice bear. It was four hundred plus pounds. It was a big Woo! bear. yeah, and, big uh, one. Had a huge, huge white blaze. I'm talking foot wide, 16, 18 inches tall white blaze. Wow, yeah. So the next night, she went to videotape with me. And I had the, the slob. It was the biggest bear that I've ever killed walk out. And I shot him high. He backed out of the barrel and he just continued eating. <laughs> and so she was videotaping this, right? So she videotaped me literally shaking like a dog that just got out of the water. I was, you know, I was, you know, I was shooting a crossbow. You can hear click, 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 click. And then you hear me, you hear my teeth chatter, you know? She literally put her, her, her hand on my leg quit my leg for a second. So I think that I had a better experience with shooting one than she did, but she's an absolute killer. I mean, we've had her all over the world. She shot some really nice animals. And what I like about Linda is she, she, she seals the deal. I mean, you, you give her an opportunity. She's, she's a sniper. She kills them. So, and you know, and everybody tell you harvest, whatever we kill things here. I hope that's okay. Right. I'm by us. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what we do. We kill things here. And you know, bears, bears, we love to eat them. So do I, yeah, I've had bear meat. I, I've I've only shot a couple bears, but the meat's very good. It can be wonderful. very very good. It's one. It's all about anything how you handle it. You know, that's right. If you let if you let if it lays overnight and you, and you got ten bears shot that night and yours is getting out at noon, yeah, it's gonna be a little gamier tasting. But if you know if, it, if when we were young men we chased them, whatever got hit we chased that night. Because yeah. we got to be old men. If they don't moan or they don't see it fall over we don't chase until the next morning i'll see you in the morning yeah yeah, yeah right. we, we, go in, we go in the morning but when we were young guys we were pretty invincible but we've got i've got some stories if you want to talk stories you obviously have been to canada you've been 
in the field to see them. Do you use that thought when you're you're putting them in their their setup and and the setup they're using? Yeah, that's 100% right. You know, with with us being in a bear camp for two or three weeks out of the year, we usually see 60 dead bears a year. I literally in my mind I close my eyes and I feel every bear. I feel up the nose. I feel where the eyes come. I feel how the ears set in the side of the head. And I have that luxury to actually get to lay my hands on, you know, 50, 60 fresh bears laying on a skinning table. So when I get my mount done, I literally close my eyes and I feel that mount to see if, because, you know, I've done it enough times. I know what I feel for. You know what I'm saying? Kind of a. Yeah. But yes, it it 100% helps. Some of the deer mounts that I've seen inside the shop are beyond words. I'm not a lost word, but but they're absolutely beautiful. And I brought you some seed ducks this year from our trip to Maine. Yes, yes. And I can't, and I cannot wait to see those. I think they're absolutely going to be beautiful. There's really nothing that you guys can't do, right? No, we do it all. We do it all from A to Z. Uh, I'm known really, really big down here for reptiles. We do a lot of snakes. Uh, We we just did an alligator, and I'll have it up on our website, that's actually breaking the water with a – with a uh, wood duck flying away, this is going to be, it's just jaw dropping. When oh. I say I, when I say I, it's my team. My guys are phenomenal. Uh, they don't take a whole lot of uh, direction for me at all. I mean, they've got that talent, but uh, we come up with some really, really neat stuff. We like to go, you know, up and beyond. I mean, we're looking, we, the creativity of this can be simple as a deer head on the wall or a deer head with its head turned and eyes rolled with a nice rock diorama behind it. I mean, it's, it can be as, as crazy as you want it to be, or it can be as plain. And I, I don't like the plain stuff. Just listening to you talk, I, I, there, you don't like the, the simple stuff. And if you're getting a bear done, you want it done the best that you can. What's the biggest bear that you have ever uh, worked with? The biggest bear that we mounted, actually, uh, John Mulligan shot. And he shot it on video last year. Uh, and it was like 575 pounds. Wow. That, that was out of our that's Ontario a- camp. That's a monster black bear. Monster. And, and John actually had a pose in mind, and, and he literally did the pose for me and sent me a picture. He was at, he was at the ATA show. Yeah. And uh, we were talking back and forth, and he said, I'll send you a picture. So, so somebody grabbed his phone, and he got out, and he did a standing bear, and he, he knew where he wanted to log, so he had his arm back. He drew <laughs> the log in, and he said, I want it to look just like this, you know. And we've done a lot of big bears, you know, that 450 to five. 550 range his was absolutely a monster i'm talking to slob these are the people that you want to hook up with because they're going to make darn sure that they can do the absolute best job for you that they possibly can because they don't just want to be a mount they want it to be a memory right sam yeah and the thing is when you have passion like you have for your for what you do you know it's not about the money no it's about the passion. To be we the we love what we get to do. We love yeah. what we're blessed yeah. to do is what I would tell I, I never work a day in my life. Right. You know, true. Like I said, I had this life change about 10 years ago. Uh, what I thought was the most terrible thing that happened to me in the world ended up being the greatest thing because I haven't worked a day in my life since. I love what I do. I don't dread it. I go seven days a week if I want to. I do shows. I mean, you know, this this is this is who we are. This is what we do. And, it, and it's not for the money. I mean, we make a nice living. I'm not going to you know lie about that. But I, I, I don't try to be better to make more money. I would try to be better to please myself, you know? Yeah, go uh, go check this out. You can see all of the different uh, mounts that they've done from bear to even the, the ruggery. I, I mean, that uh, that is amazing to me, the creativeness that goes into that too. It's a lot of color coordinating. 
It's, yeah. it's kind of neat. <laughs> and, and every bear is different. Every bear, you know, they're just like us. You know, we're all, we all look different. You know, you got that really cool beard. There's some bears that's got some really cool stuff going on. Right. You know? we're, we're all different. So, hey, you got to take a form that is made, you know, by a sculptor and it has to be molded to get out of the moldies. You got to be able to take that form and bring it in here and then fit that skin. And that skin is always different from one bear to the next. So, you know, we clay up the muscles, I'll lay it on. I mean, everything's custom done here. I mean, we're just not doing one-off things. And it's been really good for us. Now, our bear rugging business is just booming. We do three bear rugs every week. I mean, wow. that's our goal. When's oh, yeah. your last busy season? You know, we run right from one to the next. I mean, we're coming into turkey season. We're coming out of turkey season right now. Uh, we've had, with, with our bird guy, we got a, a kid in there that just does like, oh, my God, turkey work. I mean, his his birds are over the top. So we've been scanning turkeys nonstop down here. Um, so we're going to have a little lull in the storm here. We're going to have a little lull with bears this year because guys can't get into Canada for that. Right, for spring week. hunt. So I think we're going to have a, a slower spring. You know, usually Lynn and I, we host a, a hunt over in Manitoba. Deep Rock River Outfitters over there, Wayne Bass. Uh, Linda actually found him several years ago, and I was doing something, and she went up on her own and shot this gorgeous brown bear you know in nipigan we don't get a lot of color bears I've, we've shot one up there one of my clients has shot one up there in the last 30 years i mean we just don't get them yep. so me and linda are trying to shoot every color now i mean that's our right. thing and manitoba's got a lot of color face oh man it's great yeah, they do. so linda got hooked up with this wayne bass and and i couldn't go the first year i had something going on so she took she hosted our group you know we had a group like six or eight go up there they just had an amazing hunt. So we do spring up there and we do fall in, in Ontario with Bobby. I think I'm actually going to have a pretty relaxed schedule. So then, then the next big thing will roll in will be fall, the fall bear hunts in August. Well, folks, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I've, I've seen the work. I've experienced the work. And if you want the quality that, that your trophy deserves, you can check out Sam, his family-run business at oldbarninc.com. I'm just telling you, you will not, you will not be disappointed. Sam, we thank you so much for coming on the show. We, Drew, I think we should have him back. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. We need to have him back. So, Sam, thanks for everything, man. God bless you. And, folks, make sure you go check out oldbarninc.com. Here's your hook and hunt experience look back with the Moxie Dog Treats Outdoor History Minute. Jim, where would we be if we didn't have history? We'd repeat ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I, uh, I listen to you tell stories. I listen to you talk about uh, the equipment that you use and how technology really is has changed the way oh, that yeah. that uh, that we fish because even the the hooks that you use. They have them so calibrated in because of technology. Yeah, I mean, I I remember seeing pictures of a bone that was used because those guys are craftsmen back then, man. They weren't doing it for fun; they were doing it to survive. We do it for game or for leisure activity, but uh, these guys and gals in some places even still are going to old school ways to catch fish. I remember back. Oh goodness, this is probably two thousand and three. Maybe I was in Mexico uh, doing a story on a bass fishing lake um, in the Sierra Madre Mountains, Lake Wedis, I think it was. In the mountains, there a lot of those people there are just they're poor. That's the only way they're poor. They don't have a lot of f fancy fishing rods and reels. A lot of the local guys there would have fishing line wrapped around like a plastic Pepsi bottle or an old beer can, 
and then they'd have a hook or a lure on there. And when they cast, they'd hold about three foot of line in their hands, whip it around like you see a cowboy doing a lariat, throw it out, hold the bottle or the can long way, and the line would just fly off. And then they would reel it in by hand, or not even reel it. They would pull the line in by hand to work the lure. They'd hook a fish. They'd set the hook with their hands, pull the fish in, wrap the line back on the can, do the same thing again, lariat, throw the line out there, because they're they're fishing for food. So they still use fishing line and the hooks they can get, but they don't have the money for the rods and reels. And they were successful at doing it. Oh, yeah. And that's how they caught fish. Would that change the way that you look at things if – you could only go out and fish with a, a soda bottle or a pop bottle? I think you would definitely learn more about your quarry, even so, because things change when you're doing things for fun or when you're doing stuff to survive. If you think about it, the way that we fish today is almost lazy man fishing. Well, it is. The funny thing I was talking about here, I just put a new graph on my boat, right? So the uh, new locator on the front boat, nine inch screen. That nine inch screen cost me um, almost $1,200. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. So thank your lucky stars. You're not fishing with seashells and you don't have to fish <laughs> with a soda can. In the outdoor world, there's always something new. And here's a hook and hunt experience product review presented by Crowley's crawlers, the plastic worms that make sure you're hauling in the limit every time. You can go to many different places throughout the world and find products for fishing but there's so many that you need someone like Jim Crowley to give you a heads up on what some good products are. So you're not wasting your time. Yeah. And I, I love it. I'm a geek when it comes to products, man, from, from making, making my own to, to seeing what's new out there. I, you know, it's always like a kid in a candy store. And one of the, one of the big chain stores out there uh, that I absolutely love is, is Shields and their, their homes, they're based out of Fargo, North Dakota. And um, Shields actually come out with their own line of plastics now. Um, for bass and for walleyes and everything. And they, they have, I love a swim bait. I absolutely love a swim bait. That is just one of those lures that you can just about almost always throw, whether it be in a farm pond, whether it be in a big lake, river, where it doesn't matter. A swim bait's almost always going to catch a fish. And they've got a new one called a pro swimmer. It comes in a three and a half inch size and a four and a half inch size. And there's a lot of action to these things. They're soft, obviously. They're scented. Um, the action is incredible. And what I like is that the tail is really limp. And what is, what does that mean? It's, it's a boot tail design. So it, even at slow speeds, this thing has a lot of action and the body, the body actually rolls. You just put it on a jig head and I'll usually throw it in from quarter ounce to half ounce on a jig head. And it just literally just looks like a minnow or a bait fish swimming through the water. And what I like in really cold water fishing for both largemouth and smallmouth, this can be one of the best baits uh at certain times to throw and they have a lot of colors in them uh but they're just a swim bait if you want to know one of those lures that's always going to catch fish no matter where you go a swim bait is one of them and shields has hooking on tv.com has been educating and entertaining the world of hunting and fishing for years let's find out about the latest from hook and hunt tv's jim crowley on the hook and hunt experience well jim you've got some some live shows coming up you've got some uh, actually some uh, scripted shows coming up too. Right. Yeah, we do. So it's it's going to be a busy season here. It's just been, you know, with everything that's going on, things are just a little, everything's a little bit behind this year. Not only the weather, 
But just because of the whole virus situation, um, we just had to change our schedule around a little bit. With the way that the COVID-19 is threatening a lot of different uh, wildlife and and uh, a lot of hunting, a lot of fishing, uh, how do you think it'll rebound? Being outside is probably some of the best that you can that can be for any virus like this, especially warm weather. Um, but I'm not going to get into medical stuff. I don't want to get into my opinion because part of it really, really aggravates me. The shutdown hurts a lot of things. People have to work. Country has to work. Keeping us from being outdoors is not a good thing. I think the longer you stay out of it, I think there's psychological things um, that people miss that. People miss being with one another. And in the fishing industry, um, especially in Europe, the, the Europe market has been just devastated by this for some of the companies here. I know some of the companies, I know some of the guides, although they may recover, they may not. It's just going to be a very, very difficult year. Restrictions are put on things, but when businesses start to suffer, I think sometimes the the outcome can be worse than the cure that everybody's looking for. And I think in the fishing industry, we're really going to see that going into 2021. I think there's going to be, unfortunately, I think there's going to be some bad damage, not because of the virus, but because of the reaction to it. The sales of some fishing licenses of all types in states like Minnesota, where Minnesota is mm -hmm. well known for their fishing, are up 45% over this time last year. So people Great. don't have anything to do, which means they're looking for that hunting and fishing license. The outdoors is it, it's therapeutic, man. It's not just about catching fish or shooting a duck. It is what is in us. Whether you like to do it or not, it is in you. It is just part of how do you think we survived this long? It is in us. And I think people really have a longing for it and maybe even appreciate it a little bit more because we've gotten to do it less. The outdoors gives you a feeling of normalcy and being with friends and being with family and being able to provide and put food on your table. When you don't feel you can do that, and then the opportunity comes back again where you do it, I, I really think with the economy as strong as it was, we're going to see a surge. But I, I still think there's going to be some damage done that, that we may not. Things are just going to change. Well, it's, it's definitely uh, for your best interest to continue to get out and fish, yeah. get out and hunt, and get out and support the companies that uh, you know are coming out with new products that are, are yeah. doing – and if you need reviews or, or you want to learn anything like products, go over and watch the back HookingOnTV.com episodes. Uh, if you're thinking about maybe starting to make your own baits, you can watch uh, many examples that Jim has, has uh, put together there on the website, HookingOnTV.com. Here's the latest hook and hunt experience, hunting and fishing scouting report. Brought to you by the Tackle Box Bar and Grill, where the stories are as big as the fish baskets and beer. The Tackle Box Bar and Grill, downtown Fish Creek, Wisconsin. Right now in the Midwest, the, the holding pattern is, well, it's cold, the water's not warming up, and things are behind a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, for example, Minnesota just had their walleye opener. You know, we had Troy Linder on the show a couple weeks ago, and I saw a video out there of him and his dad, Al, the, the Minnesota opener and it is snowing. Oh yeah. It's, it's insane, man. And we, I keep feeling like we're saying the same thing the last couple of weeks, but everything is about two weeks behind. At this stage of the game, we're all a little bit, you know, having problems grasping onto this. 
Do the fish realize that things are different? I don't know if they, because fish don't think. I've always said that. They're, you know, they, they simply react to their environment. So that's what they're doing now is they're reacting to their environment. And if, if you're just talking about largemouth bass, now some of, the, some of the crappie fishing has been absolutely fantastic, like in Missouri and other places where they're getting some warming trends. I talked to a buddy there today who's at Lake of the Ozarks. They knocked the living fire out of big crappies, but they are getting to the places now where he catches them every year. It's a little bit behind. Now their environment is suited to where they feel comfortable getting ready to spawn. Here, I may be throwing lures or checking out areas that are what I consider pre-spawn areas for a while yet. Now, next week, it's supposed to warm up here and we're supposed to get in the 70s. When this happens, when these fish move mass, I'd say the first full moon after three or four days of warming period, it is going to be on, man. It is going to be on like gangbusters. They're going to come in and spawn and get the deed done and then go back out. And I think things are going to happen on a relatively, on small bodies of water, it's going to happen relatively quickly. On bigger bodies of water, they may come up in more stages. But that warming trend has got to kick in before that stuff happens. The Hook and Hunt Experience wants you to live well from the live well. Here's your old buddy, Stinkbait Rivers. I want to tell you about an outdoor experience I had back in the early 70s with my college buddy, Joe Miller. Now, Joe was an avid outdoorsman, and he loved the African animals, so one summer he talked me into going to safari with him. So we went over to Africa, and we were hiking through the bush, and then all of a sudden we came up on this little baby bull elephant and he was standing there in distress. He had his little foot like hocked up in the air and Joe looked at it and then found out that he had a piece of wood stuck down in his foot. So Joe got that little piece of wood out of that little elephant's foot and that little elephant put its foot down gingerly and then looked at Joe and just stared him down. I had already crapped in my britches about three times because I thought that elephant was going to charge us, but he didn't. He just stood there and, and stared at Joe for a few minutes and then he trumpeted loudly and then off into the bush he went. Well, several years later, Joe was at the San Diego Zoo with his family and he was down near the elephant enclosure and he saw this big bull elephant that kept holding his foot up in the air just like that little bull elephant did over in the wild in Africa back in the early 70s. And Joe thought to himself, well, surely this can't be the same elephant. So he climbed over the elephant enclosure and approached that elephant real nice and soft and ginger-like. And that little elephant came up and wrapped its trunk around its leg and then flung him up in the air and slammed him against the concrete wall and killed him. Turns out it wasn't the same elephant. And that's your outdoor pro tip of the week. Don't climb an elephant enclosures. Uh, it's your old buddy Stinkbait. You can find me on Facebook.com slash StinkbaitRivers. In the meantime, we'll see you here next time on Live Well and Live Well. Ha <laughs> ha, you betcha. We can't leave you high and dry. Here are some words of wisdom in the last cast with Jim Crowley on the Hook and Hunt Experience. History can be great to learn from. It can also be damaging to your fishing if you repeat the same thing when the circumstances aren't the same. In other words, last year, if you caught the fish real shallow at this exact time because the water temperature was 62 degrees, realize that this year the water temperature may be 51 or 52 degrees. The fish are probably not going to be there yet. Don't spend your time fishing places because you caught them there in the past if they're not there now. Always make sure that you can adjust. Fish don't know whether they're in a river, whether in a stream, whether in a pond, whether in a lake. They simply react to their environment. It's your job and my job as an angler to figure out what they're doing and in what stage. 
once you realize that they are just creatures of their environment and react to that, no doubt you'll make yourself a better angler. Thanks for stopping by the show. Head over to the Hook and Hunt Experience on Facebook and give us a like and find out more about this week's show. The Hook and Hunt Experience is brought to you by HookandHuntTV.com. Stop by and watch the latest episodes airing now. Moxie Dog Treats. Your dog will love you. And brought to you by Crawley's Crawlers. The plastic worms that make sure you're hauling in the limit every time. And the Tackle Box Bar and Grill where the stories are as big as the fish baskets and beer. Join us next week for the next episode of the Hook and Hunt Experience.